everybody. Hi, everybody. And welcome to the Mary and Jerry podcast. I'm Mary. I'm Jerry. And you didn't join in when I said the Mary and Jerry podcast. Well, like I know. You said I was you would. slightly adjusting my microphone. What so do we talk about, Jerry, during this insanity we call a podcast? Everything. Life. Love. Liberty. Marriage. The pursuit of happiness. Family. The pursuit of happiness. Bacon. Bacon. And everything and in And everything. There is nothing that is off limits. Yeah, we're about to prove that today. We sure we? are. So we have asked you all in the past to kind of send us questions, um, comments. And I had a great conversation with a friend of mine earlier this week. And I said, hey, you know, do you have any suggestions for the podcast topics? And she was like, actually, I do. And so she was... Um, she asked if we could kind of talk about um, postpartum life. Right. Being new parents. Being new parents. What's it like? What's it like? Now, we haven't been new parents for quite a while. 34 years, to be exact. Just, just to be fair. But it's not something you ever forget. Oh, no, you do not. So there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of talk on the internet, you know, about how moms these days, new moms... Um, we used to go to our mom friends for help and for advice. And now uh, we're finding that a lot of the young moms go to an older mom. Is that and, you? Th- well, that is my current status in life. Yes. Older mom. Older mom. Wise mom. Uh, why, wisdom, as we have said before. Comes just from means experience. I've made a lot of mistakes and lived through them. Which comes from bad decisions. So, right. Yes. So, um, and I think that's a good thing. I think that's how it used to be. You know, we would ask our own mothers, we'd ask our aunts, our grandmothers, the extended, um, the extended family. family, right? And and that and they would actually give you advice whether you wanted it or not. Let's much. be let's be really clear. Pretty much, they would. Yes. Um. But now, because of the breakdown of the family, you know, there's a lot of women that are having babies whose moms aren't even in their life. Yeah. Or their parents, um, you know, their their children of divorce, and so there's um, you know, friction there. There's there's strain there. So they don't necessarily um, feel like they can ask them or want their advice. Mm. So when so. I was talking with with uh, my friend Meg and she was like, you know, I think it'd be great if you guys talk about how new parents can help one another. Kind of talk about the truth of being a new parent. Okay. So. You start. You, okay. So you were, you were home. You were in the Navy when we were becoming parents. Mm-hmm. And you were home. For the first six months of Jonathan's life before you hold went on, overseas. Hold on. You gotta set the table here. Time out. See, oh, set the table. Out. Okay. Okay. So when we had Jonathan, okay, I knew nothing about babies, children, care of babies. I was not around babies, did not grow up with babies, right? I was the baby of the family, right? And my older brother and sister were, you know, my sister was eight years older, my brother was five years older. So I knew nothing. Now, you, on the other hand- I am two, number two of eight children, and I am the second mother in my household. So I and was- And you also did what as I babysat. Yeah. You babysat. Yeah. So I've been I around- did not. Yeah. I've been around babies and children my whole life. I, okay. And so I love them. They're awesome. Now you can set the table. Okay. So you were home for the first six months, and I remember uh, we moved to Maine when I was seven months pregnant. Mm-hmm. And right that, at the onset of winter, that was a good plan. Yes, thanks to the Navy. I thought it was a great plan. I loved Maine. That was one of my favorite duty stations, Brunswick, no. Maine. 
No. It was awesome. No. It was like winter wonderland. It was beautiful. Nine months out of the year. Well, yeah, their, their winter was definitely longer than three months. Uh, <laughs> but I loved it. It was wonderful. Um, you deployed three times while we were mm-hmm. there. And um, you came home halfway through your last deployment because your orders had changed. And we were, we were going to uh, D.C. Mm-hmm. So... I was, when I had Jonathan, I was 22 years old. Now, I might have known how to change a diaper. I might have known how to prepare a bottle. I might have known how to bathe a baby. I had no idea about nursing. My mother didn't nurse. I wasn't around women that nursed. And I had no idea what it was like to actually be the parent. Right. It's like, okay, here you go. You're, I was 20, what, four, 22? And the doctor like, you here, were here's this little bundle. Take it home now and take care of it. Exactly. Uh, I, I like, wait, you're doing what? You're, you're Jerry's getting, like, they're letting us go they're letting home us with go him. Home. Well, we had to have a car seat, of course, which, you know, back we, then I think was made out of like wood or, <laughs> or you know, something. No, remember we, we took the car seat to the fire station and they put the, the yes. car seat in yeah, the car. Be, yeah, yeah. We had to come back from the fire. This was back when you had to... Um, be certified, that it was certified, put in there correctly. So we had to bring the note from the fire station to the hospital right. so they would let us Now, this was back home. in the day. This is 1989. Before they had all these cool things now that you like snap, the, you have like the car seat base and then you got the little carrier thing that snaps into no, the car. No, we didn't have that. We didn't have it. Like I said, we had like the same basket that I think Moses floated <laughs> down the Nile in. Um, so there was none of that. Right. So, so we had, uh, you know, I was so excited because for one of my baby showers, I had been given a wipe warmer. It was the first one on the market. And um, I thought it would be important because we lived in Maine and it was cold and those wipes would be cold on the baby's bottom, you know, 3 (laughs) a.m. Little did we know what happens when you take off the diaper of baby boys. What happens, honey? Oh, I knew. I have six brothers. I used to change. But you didn't tell me. (laughs) No, I didn't tell you. You you didn't tell me. So the first time I went to change with change Jonathan's diaper. It was a waterfall. Oh, old faithful. (laughs) And you laughed. You thought it was hysterical. It was hysterical. Stop, 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 what, what, what? Because there are some experiences in life that you just need to have, and that is one of them. No. Sort of like when he was one year old, and he had just eaten, and I was jostling him and throwing him up in the air. Okay, that was hilarious. And he decided to puke, and it actually, I swallowed some. It was disgusting. But anyway, Your brothers thought it was hysterical. Oh, it was was hysterical. Mm Yeah, I was hysterical, all right. So, um, yeah. So, So, let me sum up the first, like, three months of Jonathan's life for me. All I did was go, is that normal? Is that supposed to smell like that? Is that, is that normal? Is that what, like, I had no clue. And I'm right. like, like, you know, that time when God put odor in the poop. <laughs> because, because you're like, oh, look, like the very first poop you thought it was, you were like, oh, it's glorious. It's his first poop. And I'm like, oh man, that stinks. <laughs> no, the first poop is the meconium. It's black tar. Yes, and I'm is. like, and I'm like, is that normal? Is yes. that supposed to do that? And the nurse told you to calm down. Oh, she did. She's like, she oh, said, yes. take a breath, sailor. Oh, yes. Yeah. She's like, it's fine. That's perfectly normal. Okay. So what I wanted to do with this podcast is kind of encourage our young listeners. And we we have quite a quite a group of young um, married couples and singles that listen to our podcast. And I just want to encourage you, um, if you are in or entering that new season of parenthood, there's going to be a couple things that that are kind of universal for all people. Right. And those are? Number one, get used to not sleeping. Oh, Lordy. 
Okay. Now <laughs> you learned to sleep in twenty minute increments. It was very impressive. I have to. I mean, because I did that in the Navy too, and you know, you learn to catch sleep when you can. And I mean, like you just went, and you were yeah. Out. Well, I because you know, the Jonathan first, took a nap. You took a nap. I took a nap, and and I, you know, I did not subscribe to that in the the first couple of weeks. I thought that you know when he was sleeping, that was my time to do a load of laundry. That was my time to grab something hot to eat, grab a shower. What I learned very quickly within the first ten days was, no, when <laughs> when baby sleeps, mom sleeps. Now I'm not talking about when they're six months old. I'm talking about for the first three months of postpartum life. It really is. Um, it's a beautiful thing to be able to um, rest as you can. Now, this becomes more challenging the more children you have. Oh, okay? yeah. Okay, so that brings up the second thing is, you know, first of all, you're not going to have a lot of sleep. Uh, it's not a time to make really important decisions. Um, Do not operate heavy machinery. Uh, you know, it's just... It's it's hard. Your body is is undergoing a massive readjustment. There are hormonal issues left and right. Your emotions are all over the place. Um, and if it's your first child, you've never had a child before, you're not comfortable around small children, it's absolutely terrifying. And we need to just be honest about that. So that brings up the second point. The second point is ask Actually, for help. It's the third point. Is it the third? It's the third point. No sleep. Right. That's the first point. Oh, okay. The second point is get all the help you can get. Ask for help. Now, this becomes challenging when relationships, intimate relationships in your life are not necessarily healthy. And what I mean by that is not all families are close. So it's not like you can call your mom to come and and hang out with you and the baby, right? Um, because maybe you're not speaking to your mom. So that's when kind of like your community comes in. And we really had to work at building our community. Well, yeah, because when Jonathan was born, we were in Maine. So we, yeah, we weren't were close base by housing. anybody no in family. the family. There was no family. Both our parents were still working. Um, and well, mine were retired. Both of yours were still. Well, yeah, but yours were retired, but they were they were busy. they were busy. They were they were doing all kinds of volunteer work. Your mom was was running the uh, the Meals on Wheels. I mean, that's like a right. full time job in itself. Right. Um. So, you know, I was by myself. Yes. And I didn't know a lot of women yet. Uh, well, was, everybody was having babies, so you were yeah. all kind of figuring it out together. Together, and we would ask each other, like, is that you know, is that normal? <laughs> like, does yours do that? Does yours? And uh, I wasn't, Jonathan was not one who nursed well. And I did not know about the Le Leche League. I didn't know about any of that. Did they have that back then? They did, indeed. Oh. And I, so I went to bottle fe feeding because I was bottle fed and Jerry was bottle fed. So it wasn't like this Well, good grief. Taboo. He started eating baby cereal at how old? Six weeks old. Six weeks. Like the child- not not unsurprisingly, was never full, even right. with a bottle. And yeah. finally, what was the pediatrician is like, well, why don't you- know You know what? Just give him a little rice just cereal. Just give him a little rice cereal. Hallelujah. He slept for the first time for four hours. Like like the kid the first just six weeks of that his down. Life, oh, it was- He never, he would sleep in two hour batches, the, at like two hours. And that was it. And he, when he was hungry, he would scream his head off. Oh, we Lord. found out that he had colic. Oh, so he sure did. we gave him, um, my mom told me about this stuff called gripe water, which is an old kind of remedy for, for, um, colic. And I rocked that boy and I 
paced with that boy and, oh, his poor little tummy. He just really uh, struggled in those first couple of weeks. But once we got a little bit of rice cereal into him, things began to turn around and I saw a light at the end of the tunnel. But I was by myself and I, you know, I didn't have a lot of girlfriends that were up there and none of my girlfriends back home were married or having kids yet. So um, it was a very much an isolating time for me, which is important. You know, that's that's why we say get help, right? Um, if your mom can come and you have a good relationship with her, great. If your aunt can come, if your girlfriend can come, whoever can come. Because I mean, like as a woman, you're postpartum. So your body, like you're wearing a freaking adult diaper for the first week after you have the baby because you're still bleeding from birth. You're still, and if you have a C-section, it's it's a completely different recovery. So what the woman's body goes through is beautiful and miraculous and incredible, but you need a lot of support on the on the postpartum front. So the first thing is you're not going to get a lot of sleep. So just, yes, sleep training does help, but sleep training for me, I didn't find that it helped until about month three, three or four um, is when things began to kind of turn. Oh, and that was, that was its own kind of- Yes, that was challenging. Special. But once it kicked yeah. in, you know, once he did it, he did it and it was great. Yeah. Um, but so, you know, you're not going to sleep a lot. You're, you're, you need to get help. And this is, I'm, I'm talking like for us, you know, when we had our second child here, I had this almost three-year-old and then I had Courtney and then Courtney, when she was five weeks old, started having seizures. That was a whole different postpartum. I was only five weeks postpartum with her. Mm -hmm. Um, they call that, that, um, that postpartum time, they call it the fourth trimester and those first three months of life. And I'm telling you, it is. And the fact that so many women, um, whether they choose to or don't really have a choice financially, have to go back to work at six weeks, eight weeks postpartum just crushes my heart because, holy cow, it's just a really hard, hard season. Um, it's beautiful. I'm not taking away any of the beauty from it, any of the wonder from it, but just know that it's it's hard. Um, so the third thing, okay, you're not going to get a lot of sleep, ask for help, receive help, is to be a true partner to your partner. So what do I mean by that, Jer? What do you mean by that? Yes. Oh, this what is, do you think I oh, mean wait, by this that? Is, that's <laughs> this my is cue. Question. So this yeah. is where we talk about the role of the dad, okay? So um, in, this, in, this, in this melodrama, you are definitely the best supporting actor. Yes. But you do, you do have to support. So my job um, when you were trying to breastfeed was to, you know, get up and get you snacks because, or water, because, you know, you were, as you were telling me, I am producing 1,700 calories a day to feed your son. So get your butt up and go get me some orange juice. I did not say that that way. I know. Oh my goodness. Anyway. but that, You would bring me water or, or hot tea or- Whatever you wanted. Cheese and crackers. Right. Even um, at three, except for like the 3 a.m. feeding- um, because you had to fly an airplane, I was always concerned about your safety. Mm -hmm. So for the 3 a.m., you know, that 3 to 4 hour, uh, 3 a.m. to 4 a.m. time, um, I would already have granola bars or something set by the chair. And right. before I went to take my two-hour nap, I would put some water there. So I, you know, yeah. so that you could actually sleep more so, than three hours at a time. So that's the first thing. And then, you know, obviously, the, and, and this is, I think, really important when you are not on your how do I say this? On your second, third, fourth, whatever a child is, you know, you 
dad, dad has to take over the daddy duties, you know, like fatherhood. It's a duty. Oh, jeez. Just saying. That's an oldie. I know. It's an old dad joke. Okay. Um, but like, for example, like when um, we were in Washington, D.C. and, you know, Courtney was, this was, that was those first hectic. Two years of her life. Two years of her life. Um because I was on a, a fairly normal schedule at that point because I was on shore duty, I would come home, change out of my everyday disguise and change into my dad's superhero outfit, <laughs> dun, 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 and I would do bath and bedtime. Yes. So, um, which was, you know, kind of an exercise because first of all, bathing Courtney was always an exercise because you hope she didn't have a seizure in While the bathtub. Yeah. That was super awkward. And Jonathan, of course, if he wasn't trying to have like re recreate the Battle of Jutland in the bathtub, <laughs> he would want to read like 14 dinosaur books. So, you know, he would get his little toy dinosaurs and then we'd have to get, you know, of course he knew exactly. Dad, well, I, think, he got I think we should read the Diplodocus and the, um, you know, Brontosaurus books tonight. And those were children's encyclopedias about the dinosaurs. Oh, yes. He still has them. He took the collection. He is ready to start reading them to our grandson, Jude, when the time comes. But that was that was like my thing. So we would, you know, bathe Courtney and get her put to bed with all of her meds and, you know, yeah. all the other support environment that she needed. Um, and then we would have story time with Jonathan. And, of course, this would take... A good hour. Oh, a good hour, hour and a half, maybe two hours, depending on how many dinosaur books. Or sometimes he got to the point where he would like fall asleep as you were reading. Right. And that was always, so you always prayed before you started reading the books. Right. So, so then you'd say our like, nighttime prayers. Right. So then you kind of the just roll so them over. So you didn't and, yeah. wake him up. Yeah. And then you leave the book open. We learned this very quickly. You leave the book open on the other side of the bed from where he was sleeping. Because when he got up in the morning, he would tell you exactly where you left off, the last thing he remembered, and he would have the book right there so he could continue. Yeah. So, and that continued on, um, you know, particularly um, for Courtney as she got older um, and was not easy to maneuver because we, uh, you know, we live in an older home here. So we do not have, you know, one of those super whamadine um uh, handicap accessible bathrooms and or bathtub. Right, right. So it was it was an exercise. It was a challenge. Um, we won't even talk about washing her hair <laughs> because that was like ooh, she hated when people she touched her hated hair. Hated that. Anyway. But but the point is is that you you but, came in. That was like your main thing with the children. Right. Because I was I was gone all day. So right. that was when I changed to my second job at yeah. night. Right. So we come home had dinner because Courtney was on a very regular meal schedule and you did not, Courtney did not do daylight savings time. Let's no. just put it that way. No. No. Mm -mm. Nope. Um, we were eating the entire winter. We were eating dinner at, at uh, 4.30 because yeah. 5.30 is when we eat dinner. But Courtney was fed for the entire yeah. six months <laughs> at mm -hmm. 4.30 because she just never yeah. handled that well. So, um, so yeah, that was kind of. And then yeah. you would, you would also kind of give me, um, you would be well, like, hold on, okay. I'm not done yet. Oh, I'm sorry. So then after I put them to bed, you do the dishes. Then I'd come down and clean up the kitchen, 
you know, help out. Because with that's some, what we had decided when we well, first got married. Well, but help out with some chores, right? And right. maybe we'd fold some laundry while we watch TV or whatever. But, you know, we still had those, you know, regular things that everybody has to do. You have to, you know, clean the kitchen, do the laundry, vacuum, clean the bathrooms, blah, 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 blah. So that was. Uh, so we divvied up the household chores. Divvied up those. Um, and then if one Somehow was, I still ended up at the bathrooms just saying. Because we negotiated that before we ever had children. Yeah, I'm just saying. So that was that that did not need to be renegotiated. Thank Apparently you very not. Much. Apparently that was a permanent clause that in is our correct. contract. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Your it, point, sir? I, I have no point. Okay. Thank go you. Ahead. Um so partners need to be partners, right? It's not and even especially like if she's nursing, then take it upon yourselves, gentlemen, to order dinner in one night, to um make sure that she's got what she needs. Because she's it 24-7. And for your child to thrive, mom's got to be producing the milk if she's breastfeeding. She's got to be available to that child. And there is so much happening in her postpartum body and brain that you as a man will never understand, nor are you meant to, um, that your love and support in that time is crucial. And I'll even direct that to her body. Pregnancy did a number on me physically, yes? Oh, yes. Well, you had, uh, what was that condition? Preeclampsia with Jonathan. Yeah. yeah. It was not good. No. Um, but I gained almost 100 pounds with Jonathan due to some medical issues that I was having. Yes. And then within the first six weeks after his birth, I lost like 50 of those. Because right. it was all fluid. Um, but my body did not look like the body that got pregnant. And so- the third point, uh, right? Are we on three or are we on four? Close enough. So no sleep. The next point. <laughs> right. No sleep. Um, what was the second one? Get help. Get help. The last one was partners need to be partners. Partners need to be so partners. So the fourth one is go gently into that physical and intimate reconnection. And I say that because... Things that once looked like a six pack, nice and 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 tight. hi Maggie, it's nice to see you. Hi, yes, a guest on our podcast. <laughs> if you're watching the YouTube video, Maggie. thank you, Maggie. Um, okay. She just wanted us to know that she loves us, and 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 there was no postpartum with you. Yeah, there actually was, but anyways. Okay. Um, there you go. So go be gentle, be gentle. All right, her body's not going to look like what it looked like. And she's looking to you to love her just as much as you did, if not more, before you had that baby. She's looking to you to encourage her, to accept her. I know that's a lot of responsibility, gentlemen, especially if you're looking at a person that you might not recognize in the state that they're in. And be also be gentle on their baby brain. Let's be, let's be realistic. It's honest. not baby brain. Do you want to know what it is? It's called a lack of sleep. Well, how... The, Just that's be a symptom. gentle. The, be gentle the, the, in the, general. The condition is baby brain. Yeah. They're tired. They're, they've got a lot on their mind. They're, uh, you know, you kind of did the same thing too. It's like, is that normal? Should he be doing that? Is right. he doing everything on well, time? Well, because I'm the one that went to the doctor and the doctor would say, right. so tell me, how many times a day does he pee? I'm like, uh. Am I supposed to catalog that? I didn't know I was supposed to count that. Well, they, they ask you things like that, or at least uh, they used to. Maybe they don't anymore, but they did because then you knew the baby was hydrated and things were, you know, as right. they should be. Um, but 
it, you know, you were with, after Jonathan, mm -hmm. you were ticking off those weeks on the calendar. Yes, in a precise military manner. Yes, and yes. It, was weeks. A, it was a lot of pressure. Now, when you've given birth to something the size of a watermelon, out of something the size of a lemon, what makes you think mm -hmm. that you would like to engage in anything after that? Are you, I'm sorry, were you, are you asking me what, in my what position I was thinking? For a moment. What I was thinking, can I answer that question in the classic male fashion? I was not thinking. With your blame. With my blame. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember coming home from that appointment. And, and you to were be like, fair, the boy did have a big old pumpkin head when okay. he was born too. Really? Okay, we Just didn't to have be to. Fair. I was trying to be gentle and gracious and classy. So stop. <laughs> okay. I, okay. You just ruined it. Stop. I, so- my point is, ladies, gentlemen, <laughs> no, gentlemen, gentlemen, it's, it's a hard conversation. And I happened to be married to a man at the time who would you say was a little immature in that arena of life? Im immature, but enthusiastic. Oh my gosh. Yes. Very enthusiastic. I, I don't <laughs> Anyways, I love to keep my audience riveted. Uh, let's just say it was not very successful or enjoyable in any way, shape, or form. Oh no, for at least one of us. Yeah, it was. It was not. It was not. It was a, not. Not a good. Moment. So you know, the we thing had is, some adjustments. We, we made some. Adjustments. We made some adjustments, made as some adjustments. in another month. Yeah, but you know, this is called a sacrificial love for a reason. And that's a sacrifice. It's a sacrifice uh, for a woman to offer her body in such a way to to give birth. It's a sacrifice for a man to um, with you know to abstain be and be celibate for a long period of time because there are many situations that come about in pregnancy and childbirth that you may have to abstain for months. You know, um, there's, if you're doing NFP, there's hyperfertility where, you know, if you don't feel called to have many, many, many children, you know, you might be abstaining. So this is, it's a virtue of patience. It's a virtue of prudence. It's a virtue of perseverance and it's, and it shows honor and strength for you to do so. So, um, yeah, mm -hmm. be gentle, go okay. gently into that good night. Mm-hmm. And what's the last thing you can offer, Jer? Um, well, it kind of it kind of goes with the other, the number four, whatever. You, you know, you have to remember you're a team, right? Yeah. So one of the things that people ask us um, sometimes is, you know, with the child like Courtney, and then you, so we had like extremes, right? Jonathan was super smart, super hyper, into everything, going twenty four hours a day. Courtney was like. Never moved, but had seizures. And Never moved, breathing. but had seizures and stopped breathing. Right. Yeah. So we, we, you know, we were kind of trying to be in the middle of that, which was always pretty challenging. So people would ask us, um, you know, how do you, you know, get through your day? Because you, like I said, you've always got things that need to be doing. And we said, well, you know, we, we were never one of those couples that said, oh, that's her job or that's his job or whatever. It's like, no. there's just stuff that needs to get done and who's able to get it done at that moment. Right. right. And that was important, particularly when, um, 
like uh, when Courtney was young and was in the hospital a lot, of course, Mary had to be in the hospital with her because she was so little and had such severe issues. So, you know, my challenge was, um, you know, taking care of Jonathan, um, and making sure he felt loved and, and making and sure safe. that he yeah. felt, lo- you know, so, you know, I might, and take Jerry him- is not good in a hospital. That's just not, so I might gifting. take him to the hospital so he could see Courtney, see that mom was there. She was okay. Then I'd take him home. We'd have to do bath and bed and yada, yada, because, you know, maybe the next day he's got to go to kindergarten for half the day or whatever, you know, and then I have to pick him up, bring him home, you know, do the same. There was a lot of adjusting. You know, we tried to keep his routine as typical as, as possible. As typical as possible. I hate the word normal and I'll never use it because yeah. it doesn't exist. Because, you know, that was important for him. Yes. Um, but during those periods when she was in the hospital, because no, I did not do hospital. I have actually been kicked cor- out of some of the finest emergency rooms. Kicked out of some rooms. of the finest emergency rooms in the Northern Virginia yeah, area. Yeah. Um, you know, I had to basically be almost Mr. Mom to yeah. him while she was in the hospital because you could not leave Courtney alone in the hospital. Ever. Well, we, I, I couldn't do it. Like I literally couldn't, I would, there are many parents of special needs kids that do not have a choice. They're either single parents or the, uh, one has to work, um, while the, you know, they're both working. They're just so many different situations where they didn't have the choice. Their child was sick. They were in the hospital, but they couldn't spend the night there because they had to be with the other children or what have you. So, um, I am, was very blessed in that I could stay with Courtney, but I also, I, I could not leave her. I just, it wasn't, um, I wouldn't sleep. I would be calling the hospital every 30 minutes. How is she? Have you looked in what's going on? She's just a little baby in a room, you know? And I just couldn't do it. Toward the end of our time in Maryland, because we literally lived 10 minutes from Bethesda, there was a couple of times the nurses finally shooed you home. Yes. To sleep. To sleep. And you're like, well, I'll be back at 6 a.m. And, you know, whatever shift change was. And they, you know, right at 6 a.m., there you were at shift yeah. change. But well, we lived literally 10 minutes down the road. But we lived literally 10 minutes down the road. And by that by that time, she kind of had her own reserved suite because we had been there right. so stinking much. Um, but no. And they all knew her and I knew them. I knew the yeah. staff. I knew the different nurses coming in. But. Yeah, and then and then later when um, I mean even later when when we were here and you know Courtney still was in the hospital not as much but she was still in the hospital um, you still chose to stay with her overnight yeah. because then you know a, a lot of the times they were doing tests and all this other well, that's stuff. that's when they do an EEG they do it at three a.m. in the morning because the EEG room was open yeah. so and then. Um, you know, and I still was home with Jonathan, right? Because at that point he was homeschooling, so I had to make sure that he got his schoolwork done. You guys spent a lot of time together, and and all that. So it, we did the same roles; they just looked a little different because Jonathan was older, and right. you know, Courtney had different and needs. Courtney had different needs. So, um, but and I would say, and finally, most importantly, a lesson that we learned. Um, you know, those of you that listen to this podcast, a lot of you know our story, know that we faced addiction within our marriage to pornography and me to food. And this was all going on while all we were young parents, while, you know, we were taking care of our kids. Our marriage was a disaster, <laughs> but wow. we we did make a decision along the way to fight and to stay together and to fight for our marriage. Right. And I think um, in the end, that was the greatest decision we could have ever made because we 
we gave each other grace, not all the time, certainly not, but at least 50% of the time we were giving each other grace, Yes, you know, and, um, and we were just surviving. We spent 22 years surviving. Yeah. You know, and it's been, you know, we've been talking a lot recently because of course this year marks the ninth year, uh, ninth anniversary of our daughter's death. How, when you live in crisis mode for so long, you have no idea how to live in peace. Tis true. Yeah, well, mean, I'm sorry. Were you looking for me to yeah. disagree with you? I'm like, no. This the, the it's the, taking and and we're still not completely deprogrammed. No, it seems that a certain individual who I shall not name. Hi, my name's Mary. Nice only to meet kicks you. into high gear when when things are in crisis mode. It's like I, I've been programmed to do that, and yeah. I have to. I have. It's to, like I'm going to procrastinate until the night before, and then I will put on my cape, and here I am to save the day. And I just, as I get older, I can't do that anymore. And I just realized in the last three or four years that we don't have to. That we don't have to. And so I am still in the midst and the process of rewiring how I do things mm -hmm. in my own mind. Like this is not an emergency, Mary. You can actually prepare for this. You can do this. Because you know it's coming because and the schedule is not going to change. To change, right? Which freak you yes. With you, Courtney, you never knew. Never you literally knew. you got up, you made sure you had clean underwear on, your teeth were brushed because you probably were going to be in worry an ambulance. You didn't about fabulous earrings back then, did no, you? No, I didn't. I didn't have really fabulous. I didn't worry about any of that stuff. I basically lived in uh, stretch pants and sweatshirts. <laughs> and if you look at the pictures of me during her life, um, uh, other than Easter Sunday, Christmas, or on Sundays when we go to mass, I just look really tired. And I look really. Well, you're really tired because the child had a. She her habit worst yeah of of having a seizure at three a.m. Well, between twelve and three was her her worst time. Yeah, and so, um, but again, if I had to make a decision, I would still. I wish she was still in the other room. So. That's not the best decision for her. It's my selfish decision, but. Yeah. Um, and so anyways, postpartum, that's what we're talking about. And I know we've kind of drifted a little bit, but um, I think the same rules that apply in postpartum apply in menopause. We've already kind of talked about that to be gentle with yourselves. Um, I'm good. I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to bring that up. It's okay. It's going to be okay. It's right? going to be gonna okay. You're going to make mistakes. Yes. Right. I mean, everybody. Um, oh, um, People say to us, well, we're not going to raise our kids the way we were raised. I'm like, okay, great. Cool. Yeah. You know, I, I'm like- The point is to be also on the same page. Let's talk about that for a second. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's a big one. Be on the same page. What does that mean? Have you talked about how you're going to discipline your child? Right. Jerry and I disagreed on that from the very beginning. And there were many conversations. I grew up in a household that spanked. Jerry grew up in a household that did time out. Or go stand in the corner. Is that what you did? You went and sat in the chair or in the corner? Or basically, Elmer Pearl's stern look and displeasure and disappointment. And that was all it took for you? See, no way. Uh, did, that never worked for me. My we dad could look at me. We have this in previous Anyways, podcasts. But we were just, we were in different places. And, and that was bad because by the time we had a toddler who was running the roost, and then we have, you know, Courtney come along and with her disabilities and all of that and the trauma and the drama, like it was... Not fun. It was not fun. And so we had to, we had to 
consciously sit down. This was when I think this was uh, one of the things we first brought to a counselor um, and figure out how, how we were on the same could be on the same page because we had a child that was like his mother who used to manipulate people's emotions. Yep. Got and that so, from you for sure. <laughs> so he would go and come to me and be like, mom, can I do blah, 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 blah. And I'd be, no, you cannot. That's, that's no, you're not allowed to do that. And then he'd march right off to his dad and he'd say, dad, blah, 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 and Jerry would go, what did your mom say? Well, she said, come talk to you. Well, that was a lie, but anyways. And so Jerry would say, yeah, Apple go don't ahead. Fall far from the Thank tree. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm glad the Lord has, mm-hmm. has healed so much in my life. But anyways, mm-hmm. and so he would play us off one another. And for the first Then we months, caught on. We didn't know. Because daddy, daddy may be dumb, but daddy ain't no fool. I'm like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Because then, then you would come and say, I told him not. I said, oh, you told him he couldn't. Huh? Well, that's not the story I, I got. got. And yeah. then John's just standing there. Yeah, he was like, what? What? You know, I just, I'm just a kid. I'm just doing what kids do. But you have to be on the same page as far as discipline. Be on the same page as far as how you're going to raise them in the faith. You know, we had to decide that early on. Jerry was a Lutheran when we got married. I was Catholic. Where were we going to go? Were we going to go to the Lutheran church, the Catholic church? I had offered that I, I did not feel comfortable leaving the Catholic church. It was just, it's my heart, my home. And you know, I told Jerry I would take the kids to the Lutheran church and then I would go to mass separately if that's, you know, if that's what we decided to do. And and Jerry said, no, no, you know, I'm going to be gone. So raising them Catholic is what we need to do. So that's what we did. That's praise a very God. practical person. You are. You still are a practical person. But these, you have to be on the same page. Now, I get a lot of questions on this topic in regards to every aspect of marriage. And it's like, but what if he's not on the same page? Okay, there's this thing called compromise, you guys. And and it's, we hate that word, but you gotta figure it out. Because at some point, you have to remove your own pride for the good of your child. And that's a toughie. So I have had to many times, when Jerry and I, we we when we were in marriage counseling, when um, we, he would say, the marriage counselor would say, well, you both can't have your way. So you've got to figure this out. And so we made the decision, I guess about year four or five of our marriage, that if we could not come to a compromise, that because Jerry was the head of our home, we went with his decision. This was not and is not an easy thing for me. But how many day, times have I actually pulled that trigger? I can I can remember three or four. Yeah, see. Most of the time we've been able to come to a compromise. That's correct. Yeah. Or one of us will convince the other like of the logic of whatever we're saying. Like, no, I don't think you you see it from my perspective here. How about if I explain it this way? And then you're like, oh. That's called well, a compromise. Yeah. Oh, is it? Oh, okay. I just so, thought it was called convincing you to do it my way. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, <laughs> but, and uh, you know, that's, I think what we can offer you as, and, and that's, you know, in postpartum life, but it's also in life, in your marriage, you know, these hard conversations that have to be had about, 
your behavior, your spouse's behavior, um, you know, budgets, family planning, family what religion, yeah, family, extended family, child rearing, this education. All, oh, wow. Education's a big mm, one too. Right. Um, I had uh, a cousin that wanted to send their kids to Catholic school and she was not married to a Catholic and he refused, refused to have them go to Catholic school. And it was just a hardship in their marriage for many, many years. Um, and I just remember watching that thinking, nope, I, we're, we're going to make a decision and we're going to be on board. Both of us will be on board with it. Right. So, um, yeah. Okay. Can you offer anything else, my love? I just think that that part of that be be gentle and be kind to yourselves because again, you know every. So, one of the things that, um, when we so when we got together for dinner, I don't know a couple of months ago with a bunch of our adult friends at our church, right? And we've known these people for twenty years. We all we basically all raised our kids together. Yeah. So it was just the parents all together, and of course, as as we do at this stage in our life, we started talking about our kids. And a couple of them opened up to their kids and, and we all looked at each other and we go, wow, yours does that. Yours says that too. Like, you know, they're like, oh, well, you know, you, you didn't, you didn't raise me right. And now we, well, there, there's, there's disputes, disputes. Uh, and, and memories, you know, that, that I remember it differently than they remember it. Things right. like that, but, but, which is normal, totally which is normal. normal. And, and we all kind of had the same story. And, I, and, and I was sitting there thinking, I'm like, so this is that thing 20 years later. They assumed we knew what we were doing. We yes. did not. And, and now, of course, they're finding that out too, because right, see, you do eventually own... wrap around right, where they're you're having their wise own again. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, you, you guys are going to have to figure it out just like we did, because nobody, there's no such thing as somebody who is totally ready to be a parent. It just, no, you are Doesn't not. Exist. Doesn't exist, right? Parenting is all trial and error. And, you know, you it, can be more prepared than others, certainly. Right. But if you're like us, we were 24 and 22, right? We were barely 25. You were 25. 25 and you were 22. 22. It's like we were barely, you know, out of young adulthood in in young adulthood, we out were, of out of out of college. See, like we, we, we okay. were trying to figure out our own life as we're trying to raise a child. So it's okay. You're gonna make mistakes. Yes. Okay. Don't don't think that, oh my gosh, I'm the worst world in, parent in the world. No, I you're permanently not. You're just damaged a parent. your child. Yeah. No, you're not. You're you're not going to permanently damage your child because you didn't feed them a certain thing right. or, you know, whatever. My my goal as we got to be older parents was always can I love him, them, and care for them in a way that lessens the amount of therapy they need when they're adults, right? <laughs> hey, that's a pretty good standard <laughs> right there. That lessens the amount of therapy and, they need. And, and, and anyway, when they say, oh, well, we're going to parent different than we Great. were. Parent Great. Have at it. I, we I, said the same thing. I, I said, okay, yeah, we made a lot of mistakes. I'm, I'm not going to lie. We made a lot of mistakes. We sure did, but we loved and, them and if, and if you can learn from our mistakes, power Great. to you. Great. Have at it. Yeah. Okay. That's I mean, I'm not going to feel bad. You're like, huh, not going to make me feel guilty. <laughs> we did the best we could <laughs> with at, what the we, time, at the time with what, with we, what had. we knew. And that's yeah. all you can do and as a parent. And that's all you can do as a parent. You do the best you can at that time with the gifts and talents and charisms and, and resources that you have. Yep. Okay. And, and every family is different. So what is it your favorite phrase? Don't do... Don't do what anybody else is doing. Don't do comparison. Don't don't compare. Comparison don't is the thief compare. of joy and the thief of your life. We learned that real early with Courtney. Like we were not like 
anyone. No, our family doesn't look like anybody's family. And, Even to and this so day. we didn't have to worry about comparison because we knew for a fact that- Well, okay, I'll challenge you on that. Did we, we did. I compared a lot. Well, I, I remember in my young motherhood- Before Courtney or after Courtney? No, after Courtney, okay. that because Jonathan was so gifted, I took a lot of my identity in the fact that, that he was so um, gifted and talented- Mm-hmm. Because then I had another child that that was, was not, oh. and so I made that mistake, and I had to kind of write that train. You know, in high school, your identity does not come from your children. Your identity does oh, not come from good. your job. Your identity does not come from your spouse. Your identity comes from the Father. Your identity comes from the Lord Jesus. Right? You are a child of God. That is your identity. Right? It is not what you do. It is not, you know, the achievements of your life. You are loved because God loves you. You are here because God chose this time for you. So comparing to others is just, it's a false narrative. It's its just going to lead to a lot of pain and a lot of isolation. And, um, you know, social media is is something that exists in, young parents' lives today that did not exist in our life. We didn't need social media. We had the the street, the neighborhood gossip. We had, I say, we we had, had the, the church ladies. We had, you know, we had all these other things. So we didn't um we didn't need social media. We had the neighborhood. <laughs> Which right? was faster than social media. Yeah, it it was pretty good. Um so some of the things still existed, like, you know, the neighbor down the street just got a new couch. You know, we just got a new couch from Goodwill. They got it from an actual retail store, you know, things like that. So you go on social media today. And one of the things I, I always pray before I go on that whatever I am consuming is good and is worthy and is um, not going to push me away from the Lord and into a place of sin. And the same can be said for young moms, Right. The worst thing I believe you can do on social media is when you kind of say something, you put it out there and then you're like, so what do you think? No. <laughs> if you need help with something, pick up your phone, text someone you know that has gone through raising children. It's a little bit further down the road, 10 years down the road, 15 years down the road. Don't ask social media. <laughs> Don't do it. Just save yourself. How do you know that? Oh, I do. I know. You, you know that. You know I that do. for a fact. I know that intimately. Hmm. I did it one time, and I oh. will never ever do it again, hmm. unless it's like, "Can you find me a red sweater?" And then, great, go for <laughs> it. But no, I don't ask advice, uh, life advice on things like that. Mm-mm. Okay, nope. good plan. So it's it saved my sanity. Okay. So you really have to kind of um, put those uh, barriers up for what you're going to take in boundaries. and what you, boundaries and what you're going to give away. Yep. Speaking of taking in or giving away, I get to ask the question. It's the, the not, not so, so newlywed game. game. Anyways, before we do that, I just I hope that's helpful to you. I hope that that. Um, Have we dropped some knowledge? I Boom. hope so. Drop some and, wisdom. Boom. And know that you know you can always ask us. That's what text and direct messages are for. Um, Jerry's scared now. <laughs> I, okay. I told you never to say that on the podcast. Um, Okay. So I get to ask the questions for the not so newlywed game today. I've been, okay. You've been replaced. I've been replaced. No, I'm being a true partner. We're sharing. We're Uh, sharing. Oh, I'm I'm a feared. So Jerry, Mm -hmm. when do you feel most insecure? 
Mm. Rogaine commercials? No, you're not allowed to make this a funny funny. Oh, I'm this not? Is serious. When, I, when am I insecure? Yes. Uh, oh, I was very insecure as, as a parent. Uh, now, you mean now, like today, like 2023? Sure. Mm, insecure. I, I, that's a that's a that's a loaded question. Okay, give me a loaded response. Uh, Nothing is off limits on the Mary and Jerry podcast. Okay, I feel insecure because I'm um, coming up on what is nominally or in theory retirement age, mm-hmm. and yeah, we're not ready for that yet. Okay, that's another podcast. <laughs> On how to prepare for retirement. Not, well, yeah. We can't do that podcast because we're not prepared. Retire- no. No. Okay. All right. That's honest. Thank you for being honest. I'm honest. All right. Let's go on to the next question. Wait. <laughs> nice try. Your turn. The Mary and Jerry podcast. I mean, Mary gets to answer that question too. When are you most insecure? When I don't know things. When I feel like um, I am not the smartest person in the room, which is quite often, um, I, I like to to know things. I like to know the situation I'm walking into, mm-hmm. and sometimes I'll walk into a situation and things go sideways, and I'm just like, I just I feel like I'm I'm swimming upstream with the salmon, and um, the bear is gonna whack me. Oh, yeah, I feel insecure when I don't know the situation I'm walking into. And a lot of times as a professional retreat leader and and speaker. I was going to say an example of this would be, oh yeah. yes, every talk you've ever given. Yeah, I don't always know the situation. I know I know some details, but sometimes you don't know the full. Oh, and, and then, there I, have been and then many I watch times, this yeah, from and you afar. Can, and you can see me make adjustments. Mm-hmm. And Jerry will say after I've I've been you know, uh, in ministry, I'll come and, and we'll be driving back to the hotel or something. And he'll be like, so I saw you and you were doing this and this. And I'm like, yeah, I was, I was paddling like nobody's business. I was not business. prepared for that, but I, was I not prepared had for that. to adjust on the fly, which yeah. you do pretty well. Yeah. I've learned, I've learned to do but it, but yes. that's when I feel the most insecure. Okay. Okay. Second question. Mm-hmm. What do you think are my best qualities? Okay, we're we're still honest. We're still not funny. We're still PG. Not sexual. Uh, okay, we're so we're still PG. Then. Oh my okay. gosh, I can't believe you. <laughs> I I okay. I, I'm just looking. My room. best qualities, not my best physical attributes. My best qualities. Okay, so your best quality is you are a very um, uh, empathetic person, and you are always you are always looking to help somebody else. Aww. Mm-hmm. And you make a really awesome chicken fried steak. <laughs> I knew you were going to bring it back to food. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, okay. I think your best qualities are your honesty. Exactly. Which is why I said chicken fried steak. <laughs> your honesty and... Um, Dance moves? No. Oh. Don't interrupt. Wit? I'm thinking. Well, the fact that you... Yeah, it's your humor. Your humor has, I think, other Jesus and Jerry's humor as what has saved our marriage. Because when I want to dissect your human body with tweezers, I am so angry at you. Mm-hmm. 
you will say something and I cannot like, stop laughing. Stop making me laugh because I want to. I like, want to kill you. Like you make me crazy. There is no one in the world that can make me as crazy as fast as you can make me. It's, it's a talent. <laughs> Honed would over you say, 35 years. Would you say that I do the same oh, for absolutely. you? Oh, absolutely. He would say that because last night we got into what we call a tussle over some issue. And I tussle. was- Tussle. It was like the Battle of Austerlitz. <laughs> I don't know what my that Napoleon is. reference there. Okay. It was bad. Lots of people died. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, it was one- We don't we don't tussle very often, but when we do, we, 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 are, we are people that dig in to our side. And- um, and that was, it was one of those very challenging conversations. And <laughs> mm-hmm. at the end of it, we're just looking at each other and I'm like, I am exhausted. And he's like, I am exhausted. <laughs> I'm like, why, why do we allow Satan to wind us up in this way? And, because we and are very passionate people. We are passionate people. And we and are stubborn, stiff necked people. Yes, we are. And it's, and it's, neither one of us likes to admit when we are wrong, not entirely correct. <laughs> When we are wrong. No, not entirely correct. There's a difference. Um, I was wrong. We were both wrong yesterday. Just wrong about different things. Mm-hmm. 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 But I love her, you. I love her, you too. And I'm really, really glad you asked me to marry you. Glad I asked you to marry me because then I wouldn't have chicken fried steak. <laughs> I was hoping for the romantic answer. I'm glad you said yes. But no, I got the chicken fried steak line again. Okay. Chicken fried steak. Anyways, all right, dear friends, this will be our last podcast of 2023. We're going to take a little two-week break here for the holidays, for Christmas and New Year's and and anniversaries and things. Um, And Jerry's birthday. Oh, yes. And Jerry's birthday. He's going to be the big 59. Mm -hmm. Sliding to 60 real fast. Stop. Slide into sexy really fast. Get what I said there? (laughs) Anyways. Okay. So when we return in the new year, our first podcast will be Jerry's birthday podcast. I will expound upon my wisdom. Wow. Is that what you do every podcast? Pretty much. Okay. I hope you're going to be ready for that. But we wish you... We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. We also wish you a most blessed and happy Christmas. And know that um, it is an honor and a privilege and a joy to be with you every week on this little ditty of a podcast. And um, we are now over 20 episodes in. And uh, it's Who knew that we had 20 different topics to talk about? I don't. Well, I didn't, Mm. but here you go. So again, we would love to have you uh, subscribe on YouTube, follow along on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. I think they follow on YouTube and subscribe on... No, they subscribe on YouTube. Okay, just checking. (laughs) And you can subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also leave us a text or a voicemail at our bat phone of 571-354-0351. That's 571-354-0351. We'd love to know what kind of uh, content you'd love to see in 2024. Um, we are open to any and all things. Um, you know, share your thoughts with us because we certainly share our thoughts with you. <laughs> mm, whether you like it or not. <laughs> there you go. Mm-hmm. All right, friends, until next year, may God bless you all. Take care. <laughs>